So Money is brought to you by CNET, the site that shows how to navigate change all around us. So Money episode 1404, Ask Farnoosh, all things student loan forgiveness. Your questions answered. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everybody. Friday, September 2nd. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. Great to have you joining us. We've got a jam-packed episode today with two special guests uh, who are going to help us navigate many of your questions and some things you might have even not thought to think about, thought to ask about <laughs> related to the student loan forgiveness plan that recently was announced uh, just last week, President Biden and his team uh, saying that they're going to eliminate $10,000 worth of student loan debt for some borrowers as well as up to $20,000 uh, for those who borrowed under the Pell Grant program. There are other provisions continuing the pause on federal student loan payments through the end of the year, as well as expanding the income-based repayment plan to encourage more people to apply and, and get more help to more borrowers. Before we get to all of that, let's head over to the iTunes review section and pick not one, but two reviewers of the week. Last week, I forgot to pick a reviewer of the week. It happens. I just maybe got too excited to, I ran to the mailbag and skipped the reviews, which is an important part of every Friday episode. If you don't know what this is, this is when I go to the iTunes or Apple podcast review section and pick a reviewer of the week uh, to then give that person a free 15 minute money session with me. And this week we're going to say thank you to E4790. Uh, Her title of her review is Transformed My Understanding and Association with Money. I have been a loyal listener of So Money for the past few years, and I owe a huge thank you to Farnoosh for helping demystify the world of personal finance. Growing up, I had developed a scarcity mindset around money, and thinking about personal finance gave me a lot of anxiety. Farnoosh's practical and clear explanations has transformed my approach to my finances and money as a whole. Her podcast has empowered me to open my Roth IRA, my high-yield savings account, and start having transparent conversations about money with my family friends. Oh, so excellent. All right. So that is going to be a winner as well as a review left on August 23rd, Veronica, where she writes, Farnoosh is the finance queen. This So Money show is part of my weekly programming for financial education. Farnoosh's topics and guests are timely, content is balanced, and even episodes I'm not sure I can relate to because of my age and socioeconomic status will keep my attention through and through. I love her Friday episodes in particular. All right. Well, good news for you. Veronica, we are going to talk about something very timely today, which is student loan forgiveness. Thank you so much for your generous, kind review, both Veronica and E4790. Get in touch. You can DM me on Instagram. You can email me, farnishitsomoneypodcast.com. Let me know you left this review. I'll send you a link to pick a time for us to connect. All right. Are you subscribed to my newsletter? I hope so. This week, we talked about how to turn $70 into $275,000. I just bring the good stuff in the newsletter and it's exclusive. You're not going to get this like on the podcast necessarily or even on my in my articles on CNET. It's exclusive to the newsletter for those subscribers, something fresh, what's on my mind. And this week, I talked about how my parents didn't invest 
as early as they probably could have and the cost to that and the power of investing, even in times like these where we know the Dow has been on an absolute roller coaster, finished that last week of August in a weird place and had three, I thought, I think it was at one point, three straight days of triple digit losses. And I thought to myself, if anyone's afraid of this stock market, they're definitely not getting in now, but it's important to invest. And the best time to invest is not someday, it's now. And so wrote about that in the newsletter. If you're not subscribed, I have the link in the show notes. For all new subscribers, you'll get a free PDF book, So Money Secrets. It's a selection of the best money advice I've taken from this show in a little, nice, digestible PDF for you. And it's a great way if you're just new to the podcast to maybe go and find those episodes to catch up a little bit on on the show and, and everything that it teaches. If you missed the show this week, please go back and listen to Monday's episode with Sharon Sung, 31-year-old founder of Digital Nomad Quest. She quit her nine-to-five job several years ago. She has since mastered real estate investing. She's got over 30 properties under her belt. She has many income streams. She's a millionaire. And she goes into all of that with us on the show, how she did it, her advice for investing today with rising interest rates. And then on Wednesday, if you have yet to venture over to TikTok uh, either as a consumer or a creator, our guest, Erin Confertini, has some important advice for all of us. And she has a TikTok handle called Money to Miles, where she's built an audience of close to 200,000 followers in less than a year. So for me, it was a complete education on how to master TikTok for a finance learning audience, how she's also earning over seven Gs a month on TikTok. That's on top of her full-time job. You better believe I took some notes. If you haven't listened to Monday and Wednesday's episodes, I encourage you to go back. Great weekend listening. All right, before we introduce our guests and get to your student loan questions, I want to answer a recession help desk question. Remember, we have this recession help desk. It's this incredible resource at CNET. I've spearheaded it where we're answering your questions tied to this weird time that we're in. Are we calling it a recession? Are we not? From where I sit, I know a lot of people are struggling. And I think that this time next year, we could say technically we are in a recession and it, times are even tougher. So ahead of all of that, I want to help as many people as possible. Um, and as we get into potentially a, a thick, deep recession, uh, the recession help desk will be an ongoing resource for everybody. This week's question is about budgeting and trimming your budget ahead of a potential downturn. A lot of people are worried about their jobs. And the question this week is, as we gear up for more challenging times, Farnoosh, what's a good first step to cutting back on expenses? There's a lot of ways you can slice and dice a budget. My first tip is to scrutinize those monthly subscriptions, because I'm going to guess that we have a lot of them. Uh, at least a couple, according to a new survey by CNR Research, they found that Americans spend an average $219 a month on subscriptions. I have many of them. Let's see, uh, Birchbox. I subscribe to a bunch of apps. I automatically contribute to some charities every month. So for you, is there a subscription or two that maybe you signed up for during the pandemic because we were all tied to the internet then and we were really looking for convenience that maybe now as your life is readjusting or you're no longer 
longer needing that as much, do a cost analysis. Is it really worth it to pay monthly for something you're really not getting the true value? And it might be more cost efficient to pay as you go. This can save you by this time next year, I'm going to guess like $1,000 or more. I mean, think about it. If you got rid of just a couple of subscriptions, each of them worth 30, 50 bucks a month, the numbers do add up and it may not feel like a lot right now. And you're like, oh, I can make 30 bucks happen this month. But wouldn't you like to have over $1,000 this time next year when things are a little more unclear and potentially more difficult for the economy and maybe within your household? So that's our recession help desk question. You can send me your questions either through DMing me on Instagram. We have a special email set up for this too, recessionhelp at cnet.com. I'll put that email in our show notes. All right, turning now to the real reason we're all here, which is to answer your biggest student loan questions tied to the recent Biden news that he is going to be eliminating $10,000 worth of student loan debt for qualifying borrowers, as well as up to $20,000 in debt for those who borrowed money under the Pell Grant program. This is going to help out a lot of potentially low-income students. And he also said that as part of this big plan, this big rollout, he's going to extend the federal student loan payment pause, which started in the pandemic, through the end of this year. And I know because you've been DMing me and I just have a hunch that there are some questions in the audience, some unresolved issues. I don't have all the answers, but my guess hopefully can help resolve some of these outstanding issues where whether it's like you're wondering about the tax implications, what happens if you already you know, have been paying off your student loans during the pandemic? Do you get any help? We have a number of pieces on CNET that I will link in our episode notes to provide more context. And our partners at Next Advisor have also been covering this closely. One of our guests today, Alex Gailey, is an experienced financial journalist and staff writer for Next Advisor, where she's been covering, among many things, the news and developments regarding the student loan debt crisis. Most recently, Alex wrote a piece addressing your biggest questions about Biden's debt relief plan, including how to qualify, how it's going to impact monthly payments, also linking that in our episode notes. And hopefully she'll answer some of this for us during our time together. Also here to provide answers, we have Peter Dunn, also known as Pete the Planner. He's an award-winning financial expert. He is a USA Today columnist, author of 10 books, my goodness, and CEO and founder of Your Money Line, which is a leading corporate financial wellness solution connecting employees to personalize, confidential, and empathetic financial guidance. So he's also a super entrepreneur. He hosts his own radio show and the podcast, The Pete the Planner Show. Can't believe this is the first time both of you are on So Money, but I guess better late than never. Welcome, Alex and Pete. Thank you so much. It is great to be with you and Alex. Yes, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. I guess to kick us off, a question for both of you really is just your reaction to this. I, I mentioned earlier uh, last week when this was still very fresh news that I mean, thinking about how far we've come, um, some would say, obviously, this is like not enough. And I wouldn't disagree with that, but it's better than nothing. Um, well, what do you think about this? Just top line. Pete, why don't you go first? Sure. So, uh, you know, it's it's certainly complicated, right? I mean, I, I look at this situation as there was two major problems that we need to address. Number one, the massive amount of student loan debt. But I also think that's a byproduct of the bigger issue, which is the cost of education. So, right. 
I think if we evaluate through the lens of the byproduct of the problem, which of course is also a problem, it, it's a it's a pretty good thing, right? A lot mm-hmm. of people have been helped. I'm really excited about that. I love the idea of the Pell Grant provision within this because then it's a really targeted effort to help people who need it the most. I'm happy. And I also happen to be of the belief that just because I don't directly benefit from something like this doesn't make it bad policy. There's a ton of things I benefit from that other people have to pay for. And so I like that. Right. Alex, I mean, I'm sure you have been reading about and in your own circles, maybe there are some disgruntled friends who are like, well, I paid off all my student loan debt. What about me? And what do you think about that? Yeah, I was actually really shocked when Biden first announced this plan. I've been reporting on this for the last two and a half years. And throughout this time, student loan and higher education experts were really pessimistic about Biden granting student loan forgiveness at this scale. Uh, Many said it was unlikely to happen. And the reasoning for that was pretty simple, that there would just be too little resources and time to realistically accomplish this plan. Obviously, that was speculation. And now Biden has finally confirmed that he plans to move forward with this you know, initial campaign promise that he had and and some additional relief with that, you know, the 20,000 that will go to Pell Grant recipients and the adjustments to the income driven repayment program. You know, it's it's tough for borrowers who have paid off their loans entirely. I can understand why they might feel frustrated. A lot of people took on second jobs or side hustles or made sacrifices to pay off their debt. So I I think naturally, the people who paid off their student loan are going to feel like it's unfair that they aren't eligible to receive, you know, this one time student loan cancellation. Yeah, sure. Just a level set here, just to explain also who this, who will benefit from this. Borrowers making less than $125,000 will get up to $10,000 if they didn't receive a Pell Grant, which is a type of aid that's available to low-income undergrad students, and then up to $20,000 if they did receive a Pell Grant. As far as getting a refund, because that's also part of this, you can also get a refund for any payment that you've made during the payment pause, which began, as I mentioned earlier, in the pandemic, March 2020. It could take a few weeks, a few months, but this is expected. And in terms of demographic profile, Alex, who who are we talking about here? Like, who is this really helping? Can you paint a picture uh, as yeah. to who who some of these recipients will be? Yeah, of course. The relief mainly targets low and middle income borrowers. So, like you said, um, those who are making less than one hundred twenty five k. If you're married, you can qualify if you make less than one hundred fifty k. I read some statistics on the. Uh, White House fact sheet and, you know, saw that nearly 90% of forgiveness will go to people who earn less than $75,000 a year between bars who are no longer in school. It's actually interesting. The majority of bars that will receive relief are under age 39. So 21% are younger than 25 years old and 44% are between 26 and 39. There is, you know, a third of bars ages 40 and up that will likely qualify as well, according to the Department of Education. Um, and lastly, actually 60% of all bars are Pell, have Pell Grants. Mm-hmm. And um, with the Pell Grants, uh, you usually get that if you come from a family that makes less than $60,000 a year 
year and they typically have more challenges paying their debt than other bars. So uh, with that said, black bars are actually twice as likely to have received Pell Grants um, compared to their white peers and you know other bars of color as well. So it's clear that the administration is was and is targeting bars who need that relief the most. Yeah, I was just uh, so you brought up the racial wealth gap, um, and I was on the Brookings Institute website. And Andre Perry, who's with the Brookings Institute, he's been a guest on this show. He's written about wealth gaps, and he, while he's he's content, he's happy with this plan. Um, he says that I wish they would create a plan that would more address the racial wealth divide, which is one of the reasons why Black people have to take on more debt in the first place. And even if full debt cancellation happens, you're talking about closing the rate, the racial wealth divide by three, five or 6%, depending on what model you're looking at. So it's still a small amount, but I guess he says we have to chip away. We just have to keep, keep doing this. I mean, do we have a sense if we, you know, you've been following Biden closely, Alex, Peter, what do you think about what might be next uh, as more of the discussion turns to, well, we're just sort of throwing water on the fire here. And it's not even a big, you know, big hose. It's, it's meaningful. But in terms of really making a dent and really getting to the root of the problem, what's that plan? Any any hints towards that at all? I think what wasn't said tells mm-hmm. us what's next. And Farnoosh, that's the fact that at no point in time did the Biden administration say, hey, this is a one time get out of jail free card. Uh, Make the best use of it. I I think that uh, it can be uh, surmised that this could be part of a plan going forward that every few years. Mm -hmm. And this is this is my prediction. I I don't know if this is going to happen, but this is what I think is going to happen. I I think every few years, if you have a, a Democrat controlled um, House and Congress, and even if they continue to do this via executive order, you're going to see a level of forgiveness like this. And I think it will start to target uh, the the racial gap a little bit better the next time. And one thing I want to add is that one thing that Biden is including in his plan is actually lowering those monthly payment caps from 10% to 5% of bars income for those income driven repayment plans. And that is a more longer term solution to, you know, lowering people's monthly payments for their student loan debt. That was kind of announced with the plan, but sort of not the most exciting part for many people um, because it's a little bit more longer term. But I think it will, you know, make a a huge significant and everyone's, you know, bars monthly budgets to go from 10% to 5%, depending on their income. Biden is also trying to redo or better the public service loan forgiveness program, which there's a waiver out right now for that up until October for people to apply and get into that program, which has kind of been known as a really difficult program to qualify for. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, go ahead, Peter. I was going to say at the risk of being cynical, as much as I love the uh, income-based repayment provision going to 5%, mm-hmm. my cynicism says that's actually going to increase the cost of tuition. Yeah. Pace. Right. Yeah, there's a real argument that says 
because we're not targeting these institutions, they're still out there raising rates, raising fees, raising tuition. Um, what's to say they're not going to just offset this by raising tuition? I mean, Peter, you probably work with families who are planning for college. What's your advice to them? Are we just going to have to assume we have to save more, which is kind of defeating the purpose here? I thought we were going to move to a world where college would be actually more affordable. Yeah, it's starting to feel like moral hazard in this yeah. idea that the more the, the more relief we get from forgiveness or the the more relief we get from income-based repayments, the more the cost of college is going to go up. I there there was one study that said for every for every dollar of student loans being made available, tuition went up 60 cents of that dollar, right? So that is to say there is a direct correlation between available loans and access to education and the cost to access that otherwise unaccessible education. Switching gears a little bit to the other part of this plan, which is to extend deferments and pause payments for the end of the year. What's your advice, Peter, for a borrower who may be uh, benefiting here? What are the, the best financial strategies to take? Should they continue to pay? Should they stop? And then, of course, they're going to resume in January. So how do they prepare for that? This is my biggest fear. <laughs> yeah. It takes a money nerd, Farnoosh, like you or I, to have our biggest fear be something like this. But my biggest fear is after 33 months of not having right. an obligation that our money has naturally found somewhere else to go. And and I understand that. Like, I totally empathize with that. That was kind of the point, though, right? <laughs> like Right. Exactly. So it, it did. And in some elements, you know, with the advanced child tax credit, we increased the cash flow into a household and then we took that away. And then you have inflation, which, uh, you know, begs for that money as well. I think very strongly that the average person has a horrible February and March on the horizon. And so the advice would be figure out what your payment's going to be right now and just save that amount of money in a savings account mm -hmm. every month until January 1st, and then you've exercised that muscle of that payment and you can just transition into your payment. This is basically an automatic deferment. So it's not like you have to opt into it, right? It stays automated just like it has been since March 13th. Payments are not due because interest rates have been set to zero. And and when you talk about, you know, we put this money towards other uses, what do you find to be the what are the alternative ways of using this money? Is it that we save it in a savings account? We go on trips? Like what are people doing instead of paying off their student loan debt? Well, statistics suggest that in 2020, we were also terrified that we did amazing things with that money. We paid down other debt and we saved <laughs> the money. Um, then we wanted a return to normalcy. So we had pent up consumer demand, which just means we went nuts and mm -hmm. enjoyed ourselves a little bit. Uh, like, And there, frankly, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the fact that we felt so vulnerable in 2020 that we wanted to live again in 2021. Um, so I think it went to all sorts of places. I, I think people, you know, they looked at their homestead a little differently. Mm -hmm. Like people were making additions and, and, and improvements to their home. And then you get into the transportation situation we're all in with uh, supply chain issues. So, you know, the average car payment in America is north of $700 a month now, the average new car payment in America. So that's to say, for new, some of that money just naturally went there as well. Yeah. Alex, back to you. I, I uh, actually had a, a reader, a, an audience member write in and she, as I'm sure you have encountered, was very confused by all of this. Like what's going to happen next? She thinks she's a qualifier for this plan to essentially eliminate um, up to, I think, $10,000 worth of her debt. 
But she's trying to get more questions answered. Um, She says the phone lines are really busy. Obviously, your article is very informative. But if you have a very specific question about your debt, where do you think people should turn? What's the best avenue? Yeah, lots of questions. Bars are really confused at this time. Um, there's not a lot of answers, unfortunately, and, and, and details are kind of slowly rolling out. Um, I will say, if you have questions, experts recommend reaching out maybe to your loan servicer via phone or email instead of trying to reach out to the federal student aid office. Um, you can also sign up for email updates on loan forgiveness at ed.gov slash subscriptions. Basically, that will give you some, you know, give you updates as 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 things become available on the uh, loan forgiveness plan. And yes, like you said, I put together that FAQ, which I'm, you know, regularly updating with readers' questions. Um, and when more avail- when details become more available, I mean, if you have a question, uh, you feel free to email let us know. Me. Yeah, let us know, and I'll I'll try my best to answer. Any sense of whether this is going to also tip over into the private market? What are the odds that a private lender will be as forgiving? You know, the people that, you know, took their Fed loans and then turned them into private loans via right. um, that, that- that that's a problem, right? Yeah, because yeah. for the last 33 months, these benefits that were afforded people who kept their loans um, federal, kept them public, right. they had an advantage. And so, look, no matter how snazzy you make these websites and you turn these federal loans into private loans, people are going to be mad. I don't I don't know if people are talking about that enough for news. Yeah, like, I don't yeah. know <laughs> if there's enough stories out there about the people who got burned, who uh, recast their loans in a private way. Yeah, it'd be interesting to get them. I, I, I will look for that. I'm going to see if there's any public statements from any of the, the Sally Mays of the world uh, to see, you know, what what they think. I'm sure, I mean, as we talked about earlier, there's an argument on the other side of this, which is that maybe in the short term, this is great, but long term, this will only raise tuition. It doesn't really make a dent in the racial wealth gap. I mean, there's obviously bullet points that they can use to... Uh, to justify why they're not doing something similar. Yeah, definitely. I mean, of course, I, I've i heard experts say, you know, this is essentially a short-term solution. It doesn't address the larger underlying issues in the U.S. higher education system, like we talked about earlier. You know, there. what I've heard, which is interesting from some bars, is, um, you know, a lot of people have a mix of federal and private loans. So during this pause, while they haven't been able to get relief from their private lenders, they have for their federal loans. So they've been actually putting their payment, more payments towards those private loans at this Mm. time as well, which has been interesting. Let's talk about the impact of all this on your taxes and potentially your credit. Alex, um, what do you know as far as the, what the forgiveness plan may mean for borrowers? Could this uh, be problematic for their credit? From what I know so far, uh, eliminating existing debt, including, you know, student loans is good for your score long-term. But if forgiveness wipes out your balance and you're able to close that account, it might result in a slight decrease in your credit score, though that will be sort of a temporary dip and it should go back up. Um, and about a third of bar or about 20 million, sorry, bars will see their loans completely wiped from this forgiveness plan. So uh, it will definitely, you know, impact a lot of borrowers, um, at least temporarily um, in terms of their credit score, but hopefully in the long term it will be good. Um, and, you know, if your student loan account is the oldest one in your report, or if you have a few other, you don't have very m- many other accounts or 
like a thin credit profile, then you might see more of a decrease. Um, and obviously, if you have defaulted payments or paid late, you know, there are different effects when you kind of look at uh, individual borrower situations. But all in all, um, should be good again for your score long term. Yeah, it's a small price to pay, I think, for the for the like, okay. Good news, you're debt free. Bad news, you know, your score went down a little bit. Uh, but unless you're in the market right away for something like a car or a house, like it doesn't really matter. It's not that material. But in the event that someone's really worried about this, Peter, is there anything they can do to offset this? Just be patient. I mean, yeah. it takes six, 12 months for your score to recover. And as you know, this is the period of time where someone says to themselves, wait a second. So I don't have debt anymore. And that's a bad thing. And so they right? question the system. Maybe we need to adjust the algorithm to not be so punishing for something that ultimately is good. And it's it's we should encourage people to to be getting debt, becoming debt free and, and not have to get uh, slapped on the wrist for it. And then as far as the deferment, Peter, any potential snags with this with the credit score there? No, as long as it's it, it's still under the, the guise of the actual deferment. Right. If you get to January or, you know, past 30 days past January and you say, uh, oh, I, I forgot. I, I better get back on that. Yeah, you're going to have a late. Yeah. And the other thing is, if a person needs an extended deferment, they can always try to do that. There, there's a couple things that would make you qualify. There's uh, the idea that maybe you're uh, in the military or uh, maybe there's a uh, you're going to grad school. school. Yeah, mm-hmm. going to grad school. Or there's economic hardship deferment, mm-hmm. too, which is a little bit more complex. You either have to be receiving welfare or earn less than 150% of the poverty guideline based on your family structure. So it gets a little complex. I think, uh, I don't know, I don't see a lot of people going that route come December. Right. And then not to get too complex, but taxes. Uh, I was reading that with the forgiveness plan, it may be considered in some ways like an income payment to, to some extent, right? Should people be mindful of this as they prepare their taxes for next year, Alex? So canceled debt is generally taxable, but Biden actually put a provision in the 2021 American Rescue Plan. So any student loans that are forgiven through 2025 will be exempt from federal income tax. The only thing is is that can get a little complicated at the state level. There has been reports that there are a couple of states whose laws are different uh, from, you know, the federal government's current stance on student loan relief. Right now, you know, nothing is confirmed, though, with the state level. Um, but we do know you won't be taxed on your student loan forgiveness at the federal level. And then I think, Peter, there shouldn't be any tax implications for the deferment plan. No, no. I mean, it, it goes right with what Alex yeah. just said. It's, it's just all part of sort of the early provisions that went into this and then just the state implications. Yeah. What do you think this is all teaching us, you know, as borrowers? Peter, what do you see as sort of like the big lesson here? And and not just speak, talk, speaking to those who are involved and will be re- recipients of, let's say, you know, the $10,000 up to $10,000. But just in general, like, what do you think this is really pointing to in terms of managing your money wisely? I want to be sensitive uh, and check my privilege a little bit here before I answer this. My college was paid for, so I didn't yeah. have student loans. So I don't want to have a big sweeping lesson on debt. I will say <laughs> this, though. Um, I think it's a better lesson, a bigger lesson for parents who have kids in middle school and high school and elementary school right now that we got into a nasty $1.7 trillion 
uh, whole uh, as, a, as an aggregate student loan borrower community. And you just can't let it happen again. You, you cannot let it get into your head that there will be another round of forgiveness. And I, the second I say that puts it in people's heads. So how's that for tricky? Mm-hmm. Right. Well said. And Alex, what do you think? How did you navigate school and and student loans yourself? Yeah, so I have student loan debt myself. And looking back, I definitely wish I knew more about, you know, taking on student loan debt and, you know, did more research on how much, you know, my monthly payment would be after I graduated and all, all that. But I will say that based on my conversations with borrowers, I think many are just you know, sort of relieved that they have some clarity now. A lot of bars were feeling anxious or discouraged prior to the announcements. They didn't know what was going to happen. It was affecting their ability to make important financial decisions. You know, I also kind of felt like I was in limbo because I was taking advantage of the pause. Um, Didn't really know, you know, do I need to do I need to gear up to start making payments again or not? Or will about part of my balance be forgiven? So I think a lot of borrowers are just kind of relieved. And I have to applaud the administration for taking accountability and realizing that we're all complicit in this in this crisis. And I think that's um, says a lot about where we are in the personal finance world. And I'm sure, Peter, you have seen this transition where pre-pandemic, it was all about like meritocracy and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Well, what if you don't even have a boot? You know, what if you don't even have laces? And this idea that wherever you are in your financial life, that's on you. And it couldn't possibly have been because you were steered in the wrong direction by guidance counselors and loan officers and college administrators and the government itself who said everyone should get an education. It's how you exceed and now you excel in this country. Well, of course, then everyone wants to get that and they will pay whatever they have to pay. It's very rare sometimes that the government says, yeah, we were to blame, you know, to some extent for this. It is reassuring, as Alex says, not just because maybe your balance sheet is a little bit cleaner now, but because you feel like you weren't responsible for all of this, that maybe down the road, there'll be more things like this to come. We can certainly hope. In the meantime, thank you both for joining. Uh, This has been a really well-rounded conversation. I know it's going to be ongoing. For more, you can continue to check out CNET and Next Advisor. And Peter, tell us where you are. You're all over the place. Well, uh, you can listen to the Pete the Planner podcast. It's easy for me to say. Say that 10 times quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Pete the Planner (laughs) podcast, or you can read me in uh, USA Today or PeteThePlanner.com. Fantastic. Hey, have a great weekend, everybody. And I hope your weekend is so money. 